Hi, we're Ellen Taylor, and we're here to join you on your journey from pregnancy to birth, postpartum, and beyond. Here on the podcast, you'll get interviews with birth and parenting professionals, birth stories, and educational episodes to get you feeling confident, supported, and empowered on your journey to and through parenting. Welcome to Birth Reimagined. Hi, I'm Elle Kennedy, a birth photographer and doula based in Orange County, California, and I use she, her pronouns. Hi, I am Dr. Taylor Garcia, a doctor of chiropractic, also based in Orange County, California, and I also use she, her pronouns. Today, we're talking to Sarah Clark. She's a certified life coach with accreditation from the International Coaches Federation and a health coach with training from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. She's the author of Fabulously Fertile, Supercharge Your Fertility Naturally, Fabulously Fertile Cookbook, and Fertility Preparation Program. Her fertility coaching program, which includes functional lab testing, supports couples to make diet and lifestyle changes that dramatically improve the chances of a healthy pregnancy and baby. On her Get Pregnant Naturally podcast, she shares that with functional medicine and natural fertility solutions, we can eventually reverse infertility. Sarah, welcome to Birth Reimagined. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me. We're so happy to have you. So can you start by telling us how did you get into fertility coaching? What did that journey look like? Yeah, so I had my own journey with um, infertility. So in my early 20s, I remember having a regular cycle. So I had my period a couple times a year. I had some, I had great skin in my teens. And all of a sudden in my early 20s, I started getting acne. I had this weird fungal rash on my chest. And then I had some, I had some yeast infections. So at that point, uh, the first thing I did is I went on birth control. So um, the acne kind of went away a little bit. Uh, I obviously got my period, but it was a, you know, negative it was a band-aid approach really falsely regulated my period um and then i had this life plan of getting married at 25 which i did and then had my wanted to have my kids at 28 so just before i was 28 uh went off the pill and then my periods were still irregular so i went into my OBGYN and had some testing done and was told they had premature ovarian insufficiency or failure as it was called back then and said the only reason, the only way I'd ever have uh, children was by using donor eggs. I remember her reaching up on her shelf and grabbing the IVF brochure and saying, you know, off you go to IVF to use donor eggs. And at that point, I, I didn't take any time to grieve. I did not get a second opinion. And I went straight to the IVF clinic, got on a list for donor eggs. And we were l- lucky enough to have our daughter on the first fresh transfer. And she's now 19. So back in the day when, um, when I when I was said I was using donor eggs, people are like, I don't even know what that is. And now you've got the little embryo because of all the all the IVFs that have been done over the years. You've got embryo adoption and embryo donation. So there's a little I had someone on my podcast, and she had um, she had both her. Um, both her children are they're one and three and the natural siblings so those are are 13 her little embryos waited on ice for 13 years for her to her to implant them so do some cool things um but then then i had two embryos left over after the i had my daughter wanted my kids close together so went back into the clinic and was really super stressed to have them close together that didn't work went on a separate list for a separate donor I was lucky enough to have our our kids on the first, I started my son on the first, um, fresh transfer. So he's 16. And then really after I had my daughter, my health began to suffer. I remember having like nine colds in one year, every cold went to a sinus infection. I thought it was a great idea to take antibiotics for every cold. 
I had um, I had chronic yeast, I had chronic yeast infections, chronic bladder infections, was peeing blood, took antibiotics for all the bladder infections, completely destroyed my 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 gut my my gut health. I had vertigo and I had toenail infections and dandruff, and you know I caught every cold and flu that went went by me. But I was still, you know, I wouldn't even have said I really was that sick. I was still functioning. Um, I wasn't lying in bed all day long, but you know my immune system was was compromised. And so um, at the time I was in corporate and HR for years. And so I wanted to bring uh, coaching in the corporate environment. So I um, took a life coaching course. That's when I discovered it. I had my own personal wake up call, decided I wanted to go into, uh, I really liked health and wellness, took a health coaching course. That's when I discovered I had these food sensitivities. So for me, it was uh, taking out gluten and dairy, later corn. Lo and behold, the science infections went away. The bladder infections started to go away couple years after that, took some, did some gut testing, found out I had streptococcus and fungal infections, so some gut infections. And then underneath all of this was chronic stress, which I actually would have said when I was going through infertility that I wasn't stressed, but I, but I was, didn't discover any of this. I was until I was 40. So I was fully in menopause at that point. So now we help couples that have premature ovarian insufficiency or failure, um, diminished ovarian reserve, um, unexplained infertility, like low AMH, people have been told that, you know, donor eggs are their only option. We help them either get pregnant naturally, or if they do go to the clinic, helping them, um, conceive with their own eggs. Wow. That's an amazing journey of, of going through it and, and not knowing all of your options and not having all of the information ahead of time and coming full circle and being like, I want to make sure other people know that they have options and know that there's other things to try before just jumping straight to IVF as the only solution. Yeah, no, it was, it was like, I never saw in a million years that I would you know be doing a helping people with infertility. I'm a huge planner. You know, it's always, you know, my plan, my life plan was never to do this. And so I kind of, you know, when I started writing my book, I actually was writing a book on weight loss and I'm, I've never struggled with weight loss. I don't know why I was deciding to write that book. I'm like, Sarah, your issue has been fertility. Like you had both your kids with donor eggs. And I kind of had reframed it in my, in my mind that actually people that had to go through IVF and years and years of struggle, they had it worse than me. Whereas most people would think that, you know, I'm having both your kids with donor eggs. That would be, you know, that's quite a blow, but I had reframed it so much that, um, you know, that I, I didn't look at it that way. Yeah. It sounds like that was kind of your coping process at the time mm-hmm. or your coping mechanism mm-hmm. was, was reframing. So Sarah, when couples come to you with fertility issues, what is your process with them? Yeah. So basically, so yeah, we typically, well, well, um, it's people that are dealing with, you know, premature ovarian insufficiency or low AMH. So low anti-malarian hormone being told, you know, either, either it's a very low success chances of them, you know, having an IVF that's going to be successful, um, diminished ovarian reserves. Those are the kind of the ones we, we, we work with. And, um, so female factor infertility, and we start people off by doing, um, we start both couples off by doing an elimination diet. And really that's the gold standard to figure out if you have a food sensitivity. And I'd say hundred percent of people that come to us, they, they would say they don't have a food sensitivity. Not, not all of them say that, but 100% of people actually do have a food sensitivity. Um, so we have them, both her and the, uh, the, the woman and, and her partner do the um, food, the elimination diet. And then when we're waiting for the results of the elimination diet, then we, um, we will have them do a food sensitivity test. 
And so we're looking at, um, we're like the Zoomer test is available in the States. So that's looking at, it'll do a, like a deep dive into uh, wheat, into um, soy, dairy, corn, peanuts, lectins. So, um, and then also it includes an, an IgG test. So that's a delayed food reaction. So a lot of times we never figure out that the bread we have on Friday then impacts our body negatively on the Monday with headaches and things like that. So this is a very detailed report. So do the elimination diet, gold standard, figure out exactly how food impacts your body and then um, tweak it further with the food sensitivity testing. So it's, it's using, using blood. And then you, the foods that are in the yellow, you keep up for 60 days, foods in the red, you keep up for 90. So the whole idea of this is to reduce inflammation on the body. And if your body is, you know, in, in t- sensitive to a food that you're putting in, you know, eating every day, it can cause inflammation in your body. And if your body wants to, is under attack, it wants to survive, not procreate. So we really dig into the, um, the minutia of the diet and really tweak, tweak that. And then we do hormone testing using urine. So we're looking at, um, the Dutch test. It looks at your hormones, um, like your, your sex hormones, your melatonin, your cortisol levels. A lot of people that come to see us are, you know, their cortisol pattern can be all over the place. It could be like flat line. Cause maybe they're burnt out from years of, you know, dealing with, um, infertility. They could be, it could be elevated perhaps before bed because maybe there's gut infections or other issues going on. So we're looking at the cortisol patterns and really all of this is to then help us develop a protocol. So on my team, um, I have functional diagnostic uh, nutrition practitioners. So so they're the ones that are reviewing the testing. And then we have a fertility coach for each person. They're, they're helping to implement the changes. So we do the Dutch testing. Then we do a stool test. We we use the GI map stool test. And so you can get the DNA of your stool the majority of people that we work with, there's something going on in the gut. So either a gut infection, be it a parasite, a bacterial infection, a worm, fungal infection, some sort of infection going on. So then we address that. And then also we do hair tissue mineral analysis. And we see a lot of people that are eating that nutrient dense diet, but they're maybe not absorbing the nutrients. So you can be well fed, but malnourished. So we're doing the, the food, the hormone, the stool and the hair. And then we're looking at your health history as well. So this, all, all of this tells a story and our goal is to, is to educate people because a lot of times in the, the fertility side of things and health in general, people aren't really informed about their own health and know how things help them. So our whole thing is to look for healing opportunities and then we will do a blood chemistry review and that um, is not to diagnose, but to educate and really it's looking at functional reference ranges, which are, are tighter reference ranges. So it flags it before it goes to disease. And so we're being able to like looking at glu- uh, glucose, looking at your lipids, looking at, you know, your vitamin D, we see a lot of people with very low vitamin D, uh, looking at your full thyroid can- panel, including antibodies. We see a lot of people with uh, thyroid issues. So it's a very like no stone left unturned approach when typically for people, if they get those, those, you know, infertility diagnoses, they're, they're told like the first, like myself, here you go to the, to the, the clinic. And when to me, let's look at, you know, why it hasn't worked. And then you either get pregnant naturally, or if you go to the clinic, it'll improve your chances of success. Wow. So you are really like, you dive deep on mm-hmm. all yeah. of it. You want to to test out every theory and make sure you have all of your bases covered before, mm-hmm. you know, moving on to, okay, this really isn't working for you. Mm-hmm. Now we'll take the next step. That's, that's really awesome. I love that you dive so deep into the dietary stuff. I think that 
um, our diet is so vastly like I think we we underestimate how many people have dietary sensitivities um, current day. I don't know that it's always been this way mm-hmm. or maybe it was and we just didn't know it. Um, but I know when Teddy was about 18 months or so old, um, I started seeing a lot of behavior pattern changes and all of a sudden Teddy became inconsolable during certain parts of the day, but not every day. It was just this one particular time of day that they would be inconsolable and I couldn't figure out. And then they would like race up and down their bed, like back and forth, back and forth until they got so exhausted that they would just kind of like fall over and fall asleep and then they'd be out for the night. And it was, it was so heartbreaking to have this kid just screaming and going ballistic and be like, this is not how my kid normally behaves. I don't know what's happening. And some of my other, you know, parent friends were just like, oh, it's normal. You know, it's just that age. They're just hitting a regression. And I was like, I'm trusting my gut on this. This is not normal. Like this doesn't feel right. And I'm so glad I went and got them tested for food allergies. We found out that they were allergic to dairy, very allergic to dairy. And then I started seeing the pattern of if they had dairy 24 to 48 hours later, that's when they were having these behavior problems. Mm-hmm. So it, I wasn't able to pinpoint it before because one, dairy is in everything. And two, because it wasn't happening the same day, I was having trouble pinpointing what was causing it. Yeah. I've seen both, both my kids are dairy and gluten-free. Um, for my, my daughter early, early on was with tubes in her ears and a constant little sinus infection, green nose from, you know, from she was two till five. Um, she had, um, yeah. And so for being able to, t- around eight or nine, we discovered all this. And so we were able to, um, and she was like way in the bed, like way, way later than, you know, you should be. So, um, and always like this crazy, like urgency to go to the bathroom, like just peeing all the time anyway so for her yeah huge dairy and gluten intolerance and then it developed into like acne and stuff in her early teens and stuff so so what teenager wants to have acne so she keeps off dairy and gluten but for um you know to me if you've got i just look at that your nose and throat doctor doing all those surgeries like kids lined up and she having those tubes in her ears and if we had to put her dairy free at that age probably wouldn't need the surgery um yeah, and both, and my my son's got some mood issues and things like that. So, um, you know, I didn't work on my, my preconception health. I had no idea about any of that stuff. So, you know, I had my postpartum was not was not great. It was kind of like I was really irritated and not like definitely didn't have my hormones balanced. And then both my kids have these food sensitivities. And you know, I think it's also the fact that our food is sprayed with glyphosate, which is linked linked to infertility and a whole host of other things. We're in the middle of a huge toxic food experiment with you know and and how you know how come all these different um diseases autoimmune disease autism all these things are on the rise and um you know it's not the same the same food that was many years ago so um to me going organic would be step number one yeah i mean there were studies published that showed that the food that our grandparents were eating was i can't remember the percentage but it was ridiculously more nutrient dense than any of the food we're eating today and it's partially because the we're doing you know 
monocrop. Mm-hmm. We're we're growing the same crop on the same land every year. Well, that crop leaches certain types of nutrients out of the soil, and those are not being replenished. And if we look at the cultures who do really well at this, they do crop rotations and they know, you know, if you plant this crop this year, you need to plant this other crop the next year to put some of those nutrients back that that first crop depleted. And so they had a cycle that they would do and they learned how to do that. And we just don't practice that today. So it's no wonder our food is becoming, you know, more water, less nutrients and just not helping us stay as healthy yeah sperm counts have been impacted by that too is the i don't think it's like down 50 percent over the last 50 years um sperm counts so um and also uh what was i going to say about yeah we had some farmers actually they um got some the hair tissue mineral analysis testing and the and the the heavy metals and things that we found in their hair was like and they're both struggling with infertility um was insane like they were like just the stuff that they're exposed to. And we saw it like right there on the test. I'm like, okay, all that's in your body. You know? I was going to ask if you focus on the, the, in this context, the father as well, when it comes to fertility issues. Absolutely. In the beginning, we were just coaching women, um, even though we're dealing typically with female factor infertility, but we always, we found we were just that the missing link was the was the other partner. And so really having that person, even, you know, and, and even if the partner puts his hands up and saying, you know, my sperm is totally fine. There's always things we can do to it to improve his preconception health. So, you know, and a lot of the times the partner doesn't may not know what they can do. Like they're really ready to support, but what can they do? And so doing the elimination diet together. So it's not just her doing all the, the changes. It's the, the partner doing it with them. And so you're not becoming a short order cook cook. You can, you're cooking together, you're preparing your body, you know, in the best way for your, for your, for your future baby. And so, um, yeah, really important that. And, and a lot of times we do find when we do the blood chemistry review that there's, even though this, the sperm, the semen analysis is fine, there's other missed healing opportunities that maybe there's gut infections that they're passing H pylori back and forth there, or maybe there's, um, you know, we see lipid issues with the, with the, some of the partners or glucose issues. So again, getting both of you in the, in the best shape, there's, there's no negative side effects to, to working on your health. It sets you up for, you know, healthy pregnancy, healthy baby, healthy, healthy, healthy future generations. When you said, uh, you know, their sperm count is regular. Um, I was actually in a class a couple weekends ago where they talked about that the quote unquote regular is like 4% formed properly like 25 percent swimming the right way and it's like very low the bar is very low when it comes to regular for um sperm health so it's one of those things like they can say oh yeah i got tested i'm totally regular it's like by what standard exactly you know yeah. so and and being all the toxins we're exposed to are like really um, yeah impacting sperm health and our, the whole that handmaid's tale where they talk about infertility in there and everyone going basically being being sterile and there's only you know a few women that can pro- procreate to me that dystopian world is i don't know like we're in the middle of something crazy going on right now and why is infertility on the rise you know one in eight in the u.s one in six in canada um you know, one in five in the uk well why why is it what's happening it's kind of the canary in the coal mine and follow um uh, dr zach bush who's just like a brilliant um 
brilliant man anyways and he talks about um you know that we're yeah we don't watch what we're doing and change what we're doing we're about to become extinct so like this is you know and then pound putting putting all this medication and and filling ourselves full of drugs and heading off to IVF you know I did that but um that just seems to be and, and you know IVF is no one's first choice so people you know they they've typically made some changes beforehand but you know, unless your RE is chain is trained in any kind of in the power of you know the functional approach or diet and lifestyle, they don't know. You know, they're not trained in this. They don't know the power of it, and so that's to have a team to trust. You you know, you know your body best, and yes, your RE is on the team, and your OBGYN is on the team, but also your fertility coach, your nutrition practitioner, your Cairo, your your acupuncturist, all all of that, and you know, you're in the center because you you know you you know your body best. Yes, that is something we talk about all the time here is multi-faceted mm-hmm. support. Mm-hmm. Having support from multiple different sources and not just putting all your eggs in one basket because you know, you are trained and you know fertility forwards and backwards, but maybe that's not the only thing that a pregnant person needs. Maybe they also need their yoga instructor to help them with their physical body and their mobility and their flexibility during pregnancy. And they need their chiropractor to help keep them in alignment and make sure that their body is able to heal itself as they're going through all of these changes. There's, you know, they need their doula in the birth room and before birth talking to them and helping them deal with the fear and their stress as they're leading up to it and going through all of this. So yeah, that's something we talk about all the time here is that that multifaceted support network. Yeah, that's why I've assembled a team to have. So I have a therapist on the team. I have the functional nutrition practitioners. I have a yoga practitioner. I have a person who specializes in like the therapy and like intuitive readings and clairvoyant side of things like Reiki. Because a lot of times people on, on this process, this journey, they get very like they lose hope and they might be able to visualize their, their baby. So it's a whole mind, body, spirit approach because we can figure out the right diet. We can address the gut infections. We can, you know, eliminate, eliminate all the environmental toxins, your personal care, your cleaning products. But, you know, if your if your mind, your mindset is, you know, your negative, negative mindset, whatever it is, your triggers, you're, you're not able to, to reframe those. And then the spiritual side of things that, you know, maybe you're not even sure that the soul, your baby is waiting. Like you've kind of, been, you've you've lost touch with universe god um higher power whatever it is for you you're you're you know and and that piece is equally as important as the right supplements so touching on that and since we talked about um our soil lacking certain nutrients do you recommend certain supplements kind of based on the soil as well as based on their uh nutritional history yeah so we have uh, basic supplements that that we recommend there's six of them. So we recommend a prenatal. Uh, I want to make sure it's got a methylated folate. You don't want folic acid. That's a synthetic form of folate. And many people that have the, there's like 60% of people have the MTHFR gene. So your body's impairs your body's ability to process folate. So you want to make sure it's a methylated folate prenatal. Um, you want to have your partner on a, on a multi, same with the, with the folate, the methylated folate. Um, you both be on CoQ10 both on um, magnesium, like 85% of us are deficient in magnesium, both on magnesium, both on a um, omega, so a fish oil, both on a uh, vitamin D with a, a D3 K2, and then both on a uh, probiotic, we like a spore-based probiotic um, 
So those are the, the ones we'd recommend as, a, as the basic supplements for everyone. And then when we do the testing and then we develop that customized protocol, and then those are typically for a target amount of time. A lot of people in the fertility space are taking heaps of supplements. They've been taking them for years. They don't really even know why they're taking them, spending all kinds of money. So we're saying there's the basics, and then you, you take target amount of supplements and you, you know why you're taking them and then you can um, tweak it from there. What about selenium? Um, yeah, we would, we're going to look at, um, we wouldn't recommend that right, right away. So we're going to look at more of a customized side of things for that. Okay. We're going to, yeah, like for, you know, we probably, even before recommending selenium, we would be, um, like have a couple, you know, Brazil nuts before doing Yeah. That. Like some, yeah. some source of selenium, not necessarily pill, but like Brazil nuts yeah. are good ones. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So do you have a favorite part? of the fertility process is there something you really enjoy doing with your clients or is there something that like really I don't know is, is your favorite part I guess <laughs> yeah like I like the testing side of it because you know I typically work with a busy like a busy professional type a a lot of people in the healthcare space um yeah like a busy professionals and so like having the testing and then people to be like oh really? Like, I didn't know, like, what, what is this? And then, so they're able to, it's like this major aha moments, kind of, you know, you're digging away in the dark, you don't know what you're doing. And now you have these tests that actually will give you a clear path and like, here's what I need to do. And then you have a coach that helps you along the way. So the testing, I, I really like that piece. And then, um, yeah, I, I just like people being able to, like, I do a podcast, same thing with interviewing functional doctors and talking about the functional approach. I want people to be like, what? Like that, that's why I tell my story over and over again, because I kind of want people to, to say, oh, I had that. I got that. Oh, well, instead of just myopically focusing on the diagnosis, I want them to be like, oh, really? Because once you decide to f figure out like functional medicine, the functional approach, it's, it's like, you can't go back. It's like a rabbit hole. And you're like, are you kidding me? I've gone my whole life being stuck in the conventional side of things, thinking there was nothing I could do. Meanwhile, this is like so empowering and you're in the driver's seat and you need to wait around and have someone give you you know, prescription medication for the rest of your life or pound yourself full of drugs. There's, there's way more, you know, and this is a very, it attracts that left brain science minded person who wants to, you know, dig deeper. And so it just is really, um, that's the piece I like when people are like, what? I didn't know this. Okay, let's go. Yeah. I, I didn't personally have any issues with fertility and getting pregnant, but about a year or two ago I had some blood work done and they brought my panels back and they were like um you know you're anemic right and I was mm. like well I mean I've been borderline for years my blood test always comes back like that you know I'm not really surprised by that and they're like okay well you need to be on like this extra iron supplement and they said by the way did you also know you're vitamin d deficient mm. like pretty severely and I was like that was really surprising for me because I live in an apartment with no yard, no patio, no balcony. So I get my kids out of the house every single day. Like we go out, we go to the park, we go on walks, we go to the beach, we have playdates with other people. Like this is all pre-COVID, mind you. Um, so we were getting out and about and I was getting hours of sunshine every day. And we live in Southern California. Mm -hmm. So it's sunny here 330 days a year if not more <laughs> and you know so then you know to have them come back and be like well you're pretty severely vitamin d deficient you need to go on a vitamin d supplement and I was just like wow like if I'm getting this much sunlight and I'm still vitamin d deficient like you know what does that mean for my kids and sure enough 
Teddy had, you know, a little bit of routine blood work done. Um, Teddy has a heart condition, so gets some extra testing and things like that done on a regular basis. So when they came back and they said, yep, Teddy's, you know, borderline anemic. Yep, Teddy's vitamin D deficient. I was like, not surprised at all now. (laughs) You know, so. That sounds more like an issue with the processing of the vitamin D than an absorption of it than the actual sunlight. So. Yeah, so that and, and seeing, you know, Teddy's health issues and. Teddy's um, food allergies and things like that, it makes me wonder what kinds of food sensitivities I have that I'm not aware of that are affecting my health that 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 I wasn't aware of or that I, you know, I'm not aware of now that that might change things or increase my health. Yeah, that's why I think everyone to do the, the elimination diet to figure out, you know, taking out the top allergens, dairy, gluten, soy, corn, peanuts, eggs, and then processed sugar for 10 days. You can do anything for 10 days. And then systematically reintroducing them to see how it, how that impacts your body. So, yeah, with vitamin D, we see that all the time with people with vitamin D. It should be around sixty to eighty in the functional reference ranges, and we see people in it in the single digits in the teens. So, um, really low. So it could be you know gut infections or autoimmune or other things that have been missed, and that's not the case for everyone. But but um, you know why is it low? It's a hormone. So instead of you know supplementing is great. You want to then get it monitored with your position but um and you know check it every three months um sometimes people go all the other ways like it goes too high um so ours is like well why 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 is it low yeah I love that that you're really digging for those root causes and not just like you said the band-aid approach you're mm-hmm. not just you know here you go you know take two call me in the morning yeah. <laughs> uh you're you're very much like, okay, like, let's figure out what is causing this and let's treat that and start there and then see where we go from here. Mm-hmm. So Sarah, what is one of your most interesting or favorite like fertility stories? Um, yeah, like I think of a, a one that we had. Um, so she came in and she's like, oh, I'd make a really great case study. And she had like an AMH of 0.09, which basically is, they say that the only, your only option is donor eggs. She'd had two failed IUIs, three failed IVFs. Um, she was like type A, busy professional, um, and like really science mind, like a science background. So um, was drawn to the testing and she was doing a lot of extra, like a lot of exercise, vigorous exercise. And um, she'd been on birth control for like, like 14 years. Anyway, so when she did all the testing, uh, we found out she had, um, well, she had a high sensitivity to gluten. We see this all the time with non-celiac gluten sensitivity. So not, so we can taste, test negative for celiac. And really in the, in the conventional celiac test, you're only looking for four pre- uh, proteins in, in gluten. And there's over 60. And so there's a lot of false negatives there. Everyone's like, oh, I'm fine. Um, so for her, it was non-celiac gluten sensitivity. And then, um, and so when she had gluten, it, you know, causes a, causes inflammation in her body and a chain reaction. Um, and then there's other cross reactors with gluten too, where the body identifies, um, which a a popular, um, a common cross reactor is dairy. So the body, you know, identifies the casein and the the protein and gluten, uh, sorry, the protein and, um, dairy as, um, as gluten and other cross reactors. So she took out some of these cross reactors, ended up doing the elimination diet and her partner did the elimination diet too. He had anxiety and he had, um, he had some sinus issues 
And so they did the elimination diet and then they did, they went on to the AIP diet. So it's sort of the elimination diet on steroids, taking out nightshades and uh, legumes and taking out all grains and then um, dressed all the, the parasites. And then within four months she was pregnant naturally. So um, yeah, it was pretty neat because she was like joked at the beginning, I'd make a great st- uh, case study and she has. So it's neat to see her, very dedicated to making all those changes. So looking at the diet changes, but also reducing the exercise and really, and for her looking into the, you know, the mindset and the mind body thing was a little bit foreign, but she was open to meditation and, and being able to really slow down and get her body in that parasympathetic state instead of the sympathetic state where you're, you know, the fight or flight, she was in the rest and digest state. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Um, one of one of my friends actually was told that she would be very unlikely to be able to have kids naturally because she was diagnosed with PCOS. And so she went on the keto diet. You know, she'd heard all of these things about, you know, the keto diet being really great to help with infertility. And she actually was able to conceive, you know, she lost a bunch of weight when she did it and she was able to conceive naturally. And uh, her her baby is now about seven months old, I think, seven or eight months. Um, so it's really awesome that she was able to go through that. Is is keto a, a diet that um, you typically uh, recommend for your uh, clients or, or things like that? Because I know I've heard a lot of people talk about that being um, a good one. Yeah, we don't prescribe to any like subscribe to any type of diet because we believe in a, a personalized approach. And while the keto diet can be right for some people, sometimes people do too many keto treats, and and then those the you know the um, the the sugars, the keto like the xylitol and some of those sugars and monk fruit are not necessarily good for everyone. Other people actually lose their period on keto; it's too low carb. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also it's like keto, you're pounding back all kinds of dairy. So, um, that is like a a top, um, allergen for people. So it could be keto with dairy free keto, but really is it too restrictive with the fasting piece? So we wouldn't recommend, um, keto for people that are, where nor would we recommend, you know, uh, vegan or plant-based or, or any kind of diet. It's really, well, which diet is right for you? Cause you could be I got people, you know, that are eating avocados every day. And if they have a leaky gut or intestinal permeability, then they can actually be intolerant to, to avocados. So um, it's to really the, the diet that's right for you is the one that we that we believe in. So Sarah, I meant to ask you this earlier. Um, so your stuff goes into all like the lab and the, that kind of stuff. Do you also deal with the the one cycle? Yeah, we're we're looking like all those things that we're doing will then help. But typically, sometimes in the beginning when they're doing the protocol the cycle could get worse and then, um, then it actually gets better. So a lot of times people come to us, they've already had, they have a regular cycles or heavy cycles or, um, um, light cycles. So it is all of it. We don't focus on the cycle per se, but it's like, what are the other stressors in the body? And then the cycle starts to regulate. That's the, you know, the barometer of your, of a woman's health is looking at her, the, the, the strength, you know, her cycle. And if there's, you know, if there's something going on with it, that's to, um, it's, it's, her, it's her body trying to tell her something. I love that you take a really individualized approach and it's not just a generic, you know, try this diet. Like, yeah, maybe that diet will be right for some people, but not for everybody. Um, so I really like that, that 
you know, you do all of this testing and you're able to point to certain things and say, let's work on these specific things. And then we'll go from there and see how that goes. And we'll see what else, you know, what other changes might need to be made in the future. Um, so I, I really do like that. Um, so what is your dream for the birth community? That's something we like to ask all of our guests is, you know, what is your dream? Um, I, I had someone on my podcast and he was talking, well, it was Dr. Ben Lynch and he was, uh, he's an expert in, um, MTHFR and, um, he was talking about, you know, why is it that we spend 12 to 18 months planning for our wedding? And then on month one, we want to get pregnant. Why don't we switch that around? Spend, you know, and that might be a little long, but 12 to 18 months really focusing on our preconception health. Like we're saying a minimum of six months. But to and to really focus on it's just like the, for the future generations, it's actually you're looking at your preconception health, and then it it ha- and you know it'll improve your your postpartum period, the health of your children, your children's children. So to me, spending spending time to address you know what's happening with your health for you and your partner, there's no negative side effects, and then the you know the the positive side of things is it's affecting you know future generations so that's what i would recommend uh that's something we actually talked about a few episodes ago uh, when we discussed acupuncture with dr devin gesser was the generational mm. links there and how your health now as and when you go into being pregnant and through that process you're literally exchanging hormones and nutrients with your baby so your health is directly affecting the health of your baby in utero. And if you choose to breastfeed afterward, it's going to be the same thing. Um, so I really love that, that, you know, we should take more time to plan for being pregnant and not just, you know, once you're pregnant, okay, now I'm going to plan for the birth and what am I going to do? So getting ready ahead of time and giving your body time to heal and prepare for that. I really like that. Um, so one of the other things we like to ask our guests is what is one thing you will do for yourself this coming week? Hmm. I'm taking a spiritual course. So I'm like digging into grounding cords and um, yeah, like my, my, uh, my spirit guides, all of that. So when I do that each day, um, I really, it just sets me up and I, I really enjoy it. And um, you know, there's, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in the world right now. So being able to take some of those heavy emotions and then just like, toss it down your grounding cord into the center of the earth and say goodbye to it instead of all of us hanging, you know, keeping these, this energy with us. So it's like, put it down there and um, each day you have it, you get a new grounding cord. So it's um, yeah, I've been doing that for myself and I'm having so much fun with that. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. I'm, I'm definitely more along the spiritual rather than religious path myself. And so things like that really resonate with me. I find I find my connection through music and literature and pieces of like artwork and being out in nature and things like that, that that's where I tend to find that kind of resonance, if that makes sense. Um, so for our listeners, where can we find you? Where can our listeners connect with you? Yeah, you can find me on the Get Pregnant Naturally podcast. It's on iTunes and um, Spotify. Then um, I have a fertility diet uh, challenge. So it's a three-day uh, fertility diet challenge with recipes that can help you um, 
dig into eating, you know, well for your fertility, for you and your partner. And so they just go to fertilitydietfreebie.com. You need to put the triple W in front of it. So fertilitydietfreebie.com. That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking all about fertility with us. This is something we haven't had on the podcast yet. And so it's it's really cool to to have you come on and share all about this with us. Awesome. Thanks for actually having me. It was fun. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us here on Birth Reimagined. If you'd like to join our Facebook community, you can find us there at Birth Reimagined Family. And if you'd like to join our email list, you can get the link to that on the show notes for this episode. Being a member of our email list gets you access to all our freebies and makes sure you're kept in the loop whenever a new episode drops or we have anything exciting to share. Thanks again and see you next time.